This week on Inside the Ropes, the cacophony of the Ryder Cup. One of, if not the best, event in golf. We'll put an Australian lens on America's utter domination of Europe at Whistling Straits. Plus, Kirsten Rudgley, our top female amateur, drops in from Perth. It's that time of the week. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode 226. I'm Martin Blake, Media Manager for Golf Australia, and we've got a terrific show for you today. Uh, Although our primary focus on this podcast is Australian golf, it's impossible to ignore the Ryder Cup, which is really the biggest event in golf this year, and we'll have Mike Clayton, our resident expert, come in and talk us through that American triumph. As I mentioned, Kirsten Rudgley's back from her barnstorming tour of Europe, and if you don't know Kirsten, then note down the name, because she comes out of Mount Lawley in Perth. This year she won the English Amateur and the Scottish Women's Open, not to mention that she qualified to have a start in the AIG Women's Open, aka the Women's British Open, as it used to be called. So joining me to talk through all of that, it's a big welcome to former touring pro and two-time European Tour winner, Stacey Peters. Hi, Stace. Hey, thanks, Blakey. Good to, uh, good to be on again. Are you dusting off the clubs? Melbourne's got golf coming back this week. I'm sure you, you would be. I know, I know that you're a new parent and all of that, but I'm, if you're anything like me, I'm, re- I'm raring to go. Yeah, super, super excited. I really uh, am hoping that Zoe's going to cooperate in the pram for a couple of hours uh, each time I can get out there, or Daz and I will definitely be tag-teaming over the next week or so. I'd love to see you out there with Zoe in the, in the pram. Same, hopefully. That's, mm. uh, that's the plan. Mm. Uh, just for the uh, our podcast listeners outside of Melbourne, uh, we haven't had any golf here for, I think it's getting up towards seven weeks now, and that on top of 2020, which was a bit of a wipeout through the winter, it's uh, we've t- done it pretty tough, but of course we're not the only ones. I think that in Sydney, I was talking to someone this morning who tells me that in Sydney they're still on a 5K limit there, so if you don't live within 5K your club, you've either got to find somewhere else to play or you can't play at all in the ACT they're on nine holes I I believe so because they've got a two-hour time limit so it's it's pretty tough going but in Melbourne we've been absolutely smashed haven't we Stace Uh, we've got the the world record for for lockdown we've got uh, I think we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday we've got 867 new cases of the virus today and four deaths so we're not getting on top of it and uh we're, we're probably pretty lucky to be able to play any golf at all which starts tomorrow morning our time yeah it's been uh, it's definitely been a rough old uh, trot hasn't it yeah when i saw that uh you know we got the world record for the most uh days locked down it's not something that we're really that excited about is it just it, taking it, over Buenos Aires? It, it's <laughs> tough i mean i, I read a, a newspaper article this morning stace about a family in the northern suburbs of melbourne uh, there's an, an a number of people being charged by the police because they tried to break into the hospital and they hurt some people allegedly in the process of this because they had a relative or a friend uh, who was dying uh, in the hospital and they weren't allowed to go in there, so they took it into their own hands and now they've been charged with the police. That's how well we're going. Yeah, and not only that, not we, we, we've got golf coming back tomorrow and it's we've got 25 mil of rain on the way. Uh, yeah, of course, throw it at it. That, w- that would be eh? that would be 2021 writ large, as they say, summed up. Yeah, but um, I kind of feel like the Melburnians, the rain is not going to stop them on the golf course tomorrow. 
I wouldn't have thought so. No. I wouldn't. Have, I, I wouldn't have thought so. That's after... what wet weather gears for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Ryder Cup, Stace, uh, big win for the Americans over the weekend. Did you watch much of that? I mean, it was nineteen nine. It was absolute shellacking, if I can put it that way. Mm. Yeah, and no, I, I did. Uh, I did watch quite a bit of it, especially early on. I lost. I have to be honest. I lost a bit of interest late in the uh, the singles just because I thought it's you know it's done and dusted now. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, I, I loved watching it. I loved watching golf with the fans there, even though they were very uh, one sided, which is, I mean, it's understandable. It was the same at Solheim. Um, yeah, but I, I, I still enjoyed watching it. And uh, you know, a very young, exciting American team. They got they got a lot of talent. You know, I, I mentioned on the on the podcast last week that Mickelson, Phil Mickelson, wasn't selected. I think for the first time in twelve Ryder Cups, plus Tiger Woods with his issues not playing either. Um, so it's kind of a changing of the guard. And Steve Stricker had a, a team with eight players in their 20s and they they really brought it, didn't they? I mean, from, from the European point of view, it was really John Rahm played extremely well, albeit that he lost his singles match on the last day, but he, he played well with Sergio Garcia. But Rory McIlroy went one and four. Um, Ian Poulter, who's the king of Ryder Cup, uh, went one and three. He did win the singles, but he lost his first three matches. So uh, they they appeared to be a, quite an old team. Yeah, I kind of, I'll be honest, I, I did think it was going to be a much closer, I mean, easier to say this now, but I did think it was going to be much closer contest. But then, you know, you look back at the teams and it's like, yeah, there is a, a few players that it's like, well, I think they're nearly past their best, aren't they? Um, and I think... The next European Ryder Cup, uh, sorry, the next European team for Ryder Cup is going to be look very, very different with those, I guess, older, more mature players that I don't think they'll be in it again. So I'm looking forward to chatting uh, through it with Clates to later on. What did you make? Uh, I find it difficult to watch some of the Americans. I know they've got a few classy guys there, um, but watching uh, Justin Thomas and I think it was Daniel, might have been Daniel Berger. Uh, on the first tee when they weren't playing, you know, the crowds sort of urging them to chug a beer and they ended up doing that. And then I think, uh, you know, they, they threw down the beer on the ground or whatever. What did you make of all that? I, I find it tough to watch. Oh, Blake, I really did not like that. I just thought that is just, I don't want to say very American. That's No, that's not the right thing to say. But I really didn't like it. I thought, imagine like kids watching this or, you know, they think they're such a hero. They've downed half a Budweiser. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, didn't didn't like it at all. There would be a lot right. of, uh, I would say, people like uh, Arnie, Jack, they would have to be cringing at that, wouldn't they? Can't imagine them doing that. Actually, Rod Murray, who's on the buttons for us today, wrote a column to that effect on uh, golfaustralia.com.au website this week saying, you know, would you, could you imagine Peter Thompson doing that. But the, look, the crowd is always a bit of an issue at, at the Ryder Cup. I, I did notice, you know, Spieth trying to calm the down, uh, the crowd down at one stage, and I saw Colin Morikawa do it as well. So, uh, and look, the, the respect between, between the teams is always really good, and it, and it was again, other than a couple of little finicky things about, about Gimme Putts, which we'll talk about later. But, uh, you know, it, it is a phenomenal event. There's no doubt about that. And we will talk about that uh, a bit later on in the show, just around the rest of the golf world, the probably the big one from an Australian point of view was the Arkansas Championship uh, on the LPGA Tour, which Nasa Hatawoka from Japan, a world top 10 player, won by a shot. But Minji Lee, our own Minji Lee, had a great chance there, didn't she? Ended up finishing tied second. 
Yeah, fantastic week and great to see her up there, you know, um, in the lead going into the last day. And it took, uh, from NASA, it took uh, two hole-in-ones in the event for it, her to get over the top of me. Have you ever heard of that often. before? Yeah. I, I, I believe that's, well, I'm, I can't be sure here. I, th- I think it's never happened on a on the LPGA Tour that one player's had two hole-in-ones in a, in a tournament. Yeah, so pretty pretty impressive stuff there, and I'd say nearly a little bit unlucky there for uh, for Minji, but still, hey, fantastic week and gets her up into the top ten in the world again. She's back to number nine. She had a month off uh, after the Women's British Open where she was in contention there as well. Uh, she's had a bit of a break, and she came back really firing. And actually, the last hole was a par five, and she was just short of the green for two. NASA knocked it on for two, so with a with a shot lead. But NASA had a three putt, and in actual fact, the third putt was probably, I'm going to say, five or six feet. So yeah. <laughs> she absolutely barreled the first putt way past, and then the, even the second one wasn't that great. So Minji had a bit of a chance. She ended up with, she chipped it up, wasn't the world's greatest chip, chipped it up to about 12 feet and missed the birdie putt, which would have given her a chance. Well, it would have got her into a playoff, uh, but she picked up 178 grand. I just wanted to throw you this quote from Minji afterwards. I really like this. Um, She said, I think playing under pressure is where I belong. I think that's what you want to hear from a a good pro golfer, don't you? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, to, to hear that and hear, I guess, you know, she thrives in that situation. Um, so, you know, when, like I know she wants to, she wants to win more majors. She wants to, and that's going to be, she's going to be under the pump in those situations. And so to hear that, that was, uh, yeah, I really like that. Sue O finished tied 25th in that tournament. She's playing well recently. And Catherine Kirk was worthy of mention because Kirky led through one round having had a really difficult year. Um, she shot, I think, a 64 on the first day and, and led, didn't she? Then end up finishing tied 42nd. Have you had much cross paths much with Catherine recently? Um, not not a lot, to be honest. But, yeah, it was great to see her come out of the block so good. Scoring is generally always so low at Arkansas. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was good. I mean, it was good to see her up there. Obviously, that'll give her a lot of uh, confidence, you know, for the rest of the season and hopefully she can get things back on track. Other tournaments, Anthony Quayle finished tied 11th in the Panasonic Sonic Open in Japan. And on the Champions Tour, uh, Stuart Appleby had an interesting week on his debut on the Senior Tour, actually, Apples. Led through round one and then ended up falling away and finishing tied 34th. Stephen Leaney from Perth finished tied 13th there. So uh, it's good to see Stewie out there after quite a few years of struggling with a back injury actually getting out. I think it's two years since he played a, a tournament. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes out there. Yeah, to see how he goes and see how he enjoys it, I guess. You mm. know, there was quotes from him, you know, a while back saying he was never going to play Champions Tour. I think um, that he's has said that for a long time, but yeah. um, now that he's he's turned 50, he's actually, well, what else am I going to do? I think yeah. a lot of the players are, are, are a bit like that. Robert Allenby, of course, is out on the – on the seniors tour as well now, so we're starting to get a really good contingent out there. David McKenzie's been playing well, and and uh, you know one or two others. So that was all good. Uh, Stace, we might be uh, about time for a break. Just before we, as we go to the break, I just wanted to play you this interview. I'm calling this the interview of the year. It's Rory McIlroy immediately after the finish of the Ryder Cup, uh, where he talks about how disappointed he is. It, it just kind of, I'm sure you heard it. It just kind of tells us uh, what it all means. So here's Rory McElroy, and after the break, we'll talk to you through the uh, 2021 Ryder Cup. Rory McElroy. 
incredibly proud to be a part of this team, to be a teammate of all all these guys, the captain, the vice captains. Um, we've had a great time. You know, it's, it looks like it's not going to pan out the way we want on the golf course. Um, you know, I've been extremely disappointed that I haven't contributed more for the team. I'm glad I got a point on the board today for them, but um, it's you know it's been a tough week. And the more and more I play in this event, I realise that it's the best event in golf, bar none. And I love being a part of it. I can't wait to be a part of many more. Yeah, it's the best. Just a moment ago, you said that you hope that little boys and girls who are watching aspire watching this event to be members of a Ryder Cup team or a Solheim Cup team. Is that something that's in your mind as you play this game? Yeah, it's, I don't think there's any greater privilege um, to be a part of part of one of these teams, um, European or American. It's an absolute privilege. I've, got, I've gotten to do this six times. They've always been my greatest, greatest experiences in my career. I have not, never really cried I got emotional over what I've done as an individual. I couldn't give a shit. But this team um, and and what and what what it feels like to be a part of to, to see Sergio break records, to see John Ram come into his home this week, um, you know, to, to see one of my best friends Shane Laurie, but you know, make his Ryder Cup debut. All that is just it's phenomenal, and I'm so so happy to be a part of it. I'm you know, as I said, I'm disappointed that I didn't contribute more this week um but you know in two years time we'll go again and um and try to you know obviously it's not over yet but you know we'll we'll give it our give it another go again Rory. sorry sorry for swearing back then as well okay Rory, thanks for <laughs> taking the time i know you're emotional with australian golf media you're back inside the ropes Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Well, the Ryder Cup has been run and won for 2021, and it's the Americans who are laughing. And just watching them obliterate a very good European team in Wisconsin over the weekend, it did occur to me that there's a President's Cup late next year at Quail Hollow in North Carolina. I'd anticipate two or three Australians to be in that international team, but they're going to have a very tough assignment, that's for sure. Mike Clayton's joined us. Uh, Mike, the the Yanks are pretty formidable these days. Well, they're always formidable. They've always got twelve fantastic players, but this was a this was a particularly great team. I think not as you know they, for the people who think golf started in nineteen ninety seven. There was a American Ryder Cup team in nineteen eighty one that was pretty awesome. Well, it was a nineteen nine result uh, breaking the. Ryder Cup record for scoring. It's the biggest win since they made it a European versus US event from 1979 on. Um, Dustin Johnson went five and zip. Uh, Morikawa, Colin Morikawa was un- unbeaten. So was Bryson DeChambeau, although he only played three matches. I mean, uh, Clates and Stace, it looked to me like a kind of a youth-led thing. I mean, the Americans had eight players in their 20s. Uh, whereas the Europeans had a few vets who didn't really come up for them. Well, the Americans had their oldest player won the most number of points, and they had there's not one player on that team who you would say is past his best. Mm. Whereas in Europe, you would say Sergio probably, certainly Casey, Poulter, and Westwood are, you know, their best golfers arguably ten years ago. Still terrific players, but. You know, there was a. It wasn't a clear mismatch because coming into it, you know, no one predicted this. But 
Um, the American team was pretty awesome and the Europeans were... When you look at the great European teams of the 80s and 90s, they had five of the best players playing their best golf. Ballesteros, Wisdom, Langer, Feldo were... It was a pretty amazing core of a team. And, and then Elizabel came not long after. So for the longest time, they had six players right at the top of their games, but that's not really the case now. Stace and Clates, did you enjoy it? Did you? It, it's a fantastic thing to watch, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, with when we had Solheim Cup a couple of weeks ago, I actually loved the fact that, oh, there's a, in a couple more weeks, we've got another team event. I actually love how it's fallen this year. Um, so, yes, I did. But I can't say I was that enthusiastic, if I be honest, on the last day, knowing that it was a whitewash already. By the time I got out of bed to uh, to look at it, I was like, oh, it's not much of a match. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, yes, I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching golf that had fans that were going ballistically uh, one-sided, I guess, but still there was fans. Um, so overall, yes, I loved it, but I didn't love that it wasn't a contest in the end. Stace, what did you think of the American hoodies? I'd be interested to know what you thought as well, Clates. Yeah, well, I—I uh, be honest, I—I I like the change. I, you know, I like that. You know, it's looking more casual. I think that's one of the keys to getting more people into golf is relaxing dress codes. So, you know, we've started to see a few of the hoodies. Would I rock the hoodie at golf? Probably not, because I think it would annoy me. But I definitely, I don't mind the look of it. I didn't actually, I didn't love that uh, the Americans had different jumpers on though. I didn't, I didn't like that part of it, but I don't mind the hoodie look because I think it, yeah, it relaxes it. No, some had names on the back, some didn't. Um, Clates, the hoodies, would you get out in a hoodie, do you reckon? Uh, I don't have an opinion on hoodies, really. No. I don't no. mind them. They look fine to me. I'm not sure I'd wear one, but um, for no good reason, probably. But, um, um, you know, what, did can... you make, what did you both make of uh, Rory McIlroy's performance losing on the first – uh, two days. He eventually won his singles match on the final day, but by then he, um, you know, he just had a, a difficult week. And it kind of, I guess it kind of symbolised Europe's troubles that their most famous player uh, was struggling. Yeah, he needed to play well, obviously, for them to do well. It's hard to tell how someone's playing unless you're watching them play. I listened to Andy Johnson on the Shotgun Start Pod and he was he said Rory was awful the first two days, relatively. I mean, Rory's awful, still not horrible, but you can't tell from TV really how someone's hitting the ball. You can't hear the sound or watch the flight. So it's easy to be critical of a guy who loses his matches. He might be playing well or he might be playing terrible golf. So it's hard to tell from the TV. But uh. And especially in, you know, foursomes and four ball, like it's just, it's so different. So, yeah, I think it's easy to criticise, but... Yeah, your, um, your partner might just put you in the in the yeah, That's exactly right. And then he comes out and wins his uh, his singles match. So maybe it wasn't too bad after all. I was interested that there was, as usual in these teams events, there's match play events. There's always some sort of stink about gimmies, and uh, we saw Bryson DeChambeau lay the putter down in the hole and, and measure a putt that he he had to make, which looked to me like I wouldn't have given it to him, but uh, he certainly did that. And Justin Thomas and I think Westwood uh, was made to putt one that was extremely short at one stage, and he wasn't too happy. That that's got a bit of a history, hasn't it, Clates and Stace? Ah. Uh. And Michael Bamberger wrote a great article on it. He had the exact measurements. I think DeChambeau's putt was maybe 36 inches or something, 34 inches maybe. I reckon but, it was 2 feet 10, 34 well, inches. Yeah. Um, Bamberger had the exact number. I, I, I retweeted it. But anyway, 
In all the years I played match play, Stace, and you played a lot of match play as well, we played a lot, pennant golf and state amateurs and Australian amateurs. I don't remember ever having to putt a putt I thought someone should have given to me, ever. And I was given a few that I didn't fancy myself much, but this carry on with gimmies is just bizarre. It's just, you know. But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying there too, Clates, but I, I think the carry on with lying the putter down is like ridiculous. Oh, it's horrendous. It was just I, just, I think that is like Pathetic. terrible. Like you should, he should be expecting to make it. Yeah, I mean, Bryson's putt was, it was 30 something inches. I mean, what do you think? Someone's going to give it to you in a right? Yeah, like I just, yeah, I think that's, I think personally, me, I would be expecting to make it. I have to, sorry, expecting, not expecting to make it. Yeah. Well, yes, but expecting to have to putt it. I'm like, just the, yeah, the putter lying down stuff, I really don't like that. But I I don't know a pennant match that I ever played where someone would have been expected to give that putt. It was ridiculous. And it just, Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and it just, and where they were playing to the crowd. I mean, the crowd was obviously tricky, but the crowd was tricky at the Solheim Cup too, and the Europeans did fine. So, yeah. You know, it's, um, What's your rule of thumb with gimmies, Stace? Would, would you give them away under under three feet? Or I would not. And for me, I used to be. Um, I used to really enjoy the match play side of things. That yes, it is a bit tactical as well. Like I would probably give uh, something that someone would think is generous on the third or fourth hole, but I wouldn't give don't it on want the them seventeenth. So you well, don't I, I get into their rhythm. And yeah, but and I wouldn't give it on the seventeenth to yeah. try and throw them. I think that's just a part of match play. Yeah. Yeah. Um I would always do that. So I, I wouldn't say I had a rule of thumb. It would depend on the match. I was surprised that the Americans were so good because uh, you know, historic recent history shows that the Europeans tend to get together better, have a better atmosphere, and you had the whole DeChambo um Kepka thing rattling around beforehand, but um, Steve Stricker must have done a, a really good job of getting them together because they, they certainly fired. They were they won every session. They just never looked like uh, that they were threatened. Yeah, I mean, there's a great book by a guy called Ian O'Connor on the history. It's called Arnie and Jack, I think, who had a frosty relationship for the longest time, and they won four World Cups together. So Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be best mates to play well yeah well i think from my my background in covering cricket as well um shane warne and adam gilchrist everyone thought that they uh they didn't get along which they they didn't particularly but when you put them out on the field under a baggy green cap they they were perfectly happy to work together and they were brilliant together so um you don't end up being best friends necessarily with the people that are around you in sport well it's kind of inevitable that i mean sandy lyle and faldo were a bit the same. Bernard and Seve, again, the same. So, you know, Australia won the World Cup with Graham Marsh and David Graham on the same team. So, yeah, you know, it's not like there aren't precedents for teams that aren't best mates doing great things together. That's right. And even on different levels on, you know, the amateur scene and stuff, you're not necessarily best buddies with who you play your state team with. It's You just get put in that situation and do the best you can that week. And you work together because that's what you're required to do, yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's uh, that's the event. Just wanted to read you some of the ages of the American players and I wanted to project it forward to the President's Cup uh, next year uh, and also, I guess, for the Ryder Cup in Rome 2023. Uh, Morikawa's 24, uh, Scotty Scheffler, 25, Shawfley, 27, DeChambeau, 28, Cantlay, 28, Thomas, 28, Spieth, 28, 
Daniel Berger, 28. That's uh, that's going to be difficult for Trevor Immelman uh, and the international team to to counter. I mean, I, I know that we always that the international team always struggled to compete at the President's Cup, but last time they got very close at Royal Melbourne. But this is going to be really tough, especially on American soil. And the only way to make the President's Cup interesting is to um, make it a mixed event, I think. I think it's always going to be the poor man's Ryder Cup. And I think that if you included the six women in the teams, six men, six women, I think it would be an awesome event. Stace? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Shake, like a little shake it up, but make it something new, something big, you know. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think it's always, it's always going to be the poor man's Ryder Cup. And, you know, I, I think it would be such an interesting event, such a great event. It would showcase women's golf, which how great they are. It would be something that everyone would watch. I, I, I don't understand why there isn't a push to create that because I think it would be incredible. Yeah, I think it could be really something big, Clates, if that was uh, was to happen and really, well, I think you said it, but really put a, a spotlight on the, the women's side of things as well. Well, especially how many great international women players there are. I mean, not that you want to do it just because you want to even it up, but clearly it would even it up because the international women are certainly stronger than the American women. But it would just be a really interesting event to watch. It would just be, I think it would be amazing to watch that event. I'd be really interested to see what they do with this because I think the President's Cup is immensely financially uh, successful and you saw the the event at Royal Melbourne last time, 20, 2019, I guess it was. Massive crowds. It was hugely successful. So I guess from the tour's point of view, they own it, the US Tour, and they're probably thinking, well, what's wrong with this? But it's just the competitive aspect that the international team's only ever won once. Uh, they tied one other time. How long can you go with that? I mean, they changed the Ryder Cup, didn't they, Clates, because of that reason? Well, they did. I, I guess the tour's argument would be that it would cut six of its members out of the chance to play in it. But are you in business to give six of your members a chance to play in a team's match or are you in the business of making a better event? And, and I don't think there's any doubt it would be a better event. It would be more interesting, there'd be more fans... It'll be massive in Asia where women's golf is bigger than men's golf in both Korea and Japan. And I, I, I just think, you know, I just don't see any downside to it. It's all upside for me. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're talking about six players missing out, Clates, well, then they need to play better, strive better to be in that top six. <laughs> so the international team for a President's Cup mixed event would be who right at the moment? Um, so you'd go... It would be Lydia... Um, NB Park, Young Kim. A few Koreans um, plus Hannah and Minji, maybe. Minji, probably. Yeah, Minji would be in it. Mm. Um, Titakul would be in it by two years' time, Stace, wouldn't she, the way she's yeah. going? I would uh, say yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, there are some incredible players that wouldn't make that team. I mean, mm. Young right now wouldn't make it. She was number one in the world, too. Sayon, you would be out, yeah. yeah. Who shot 62 yesterday. And- a bit like... A, a bit like tr- trying to get in the Korean Olympic team, yeah. women's Olympic so team. It would be a phenomenally strong team. And, of course, you always the weakness of the international team is the bottom six players. The top six are always terrific. So yeah. if you put the top six international men with the top six women against the Americans, I think it would be a phenomenal match. Clates, uh, 
Stace and I are both looking forward to our first hit of golf. Now that golf's come back in Melbourne, are you uh, you getting out soon? Um, well, St Andrews Beach Golf Course is a mile down the road, so I'll be out there. I'm thinking you're going to be playing a lot of golf soon. Yeah, well, I will. Um, well, I've been playing golf on the beach, which has been it's great fun hitting balls on the back beach at you know Ryan, St Andrews Beach, and kind of um, down through there. It's brilliant. So you're making me jealous, Clates. Yeah, but I can. I mean, I'm. A lot of people kind of head up about not playing golf, but it's not. I mean, I love playing golf as much as anyone, but I can deal with six or eight weeks away from golf is not the worst thing in the world. Well, it's been great to talk to you again, Clates. It's been too long. So that's our wrap up of the Ryder Cup for Inside the Ropes. We'll be back with some more in just a moment. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. And Kirsten Rudgley is a name we're all familiar with in the golf industry, but just in case she's. Under the radar of a few people outside the game, we decided to get her on the podcast today. Kirsten's a multiple WA amateur champion. She was runner-up in the Australian amateur to Grace Kim at Kionga earlier this year. And like Hannah Green, she comes out of Mount Lawley in Perth. She's only 20. She's got a great career in front of her. She's just completed a couple of weeks of quarantine after a trip to Europe in which she not only won the English amateur, she also won the Scottish Women's Open and she qualified to play in the AIG Women's Open, her first ever start in a major. Kirsten Rudgley, welcome to Inside the Ropes. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. What have you been up to? Uh, I mentioned that you were in quarantine for a couple of weeks, but I presume you're out and free now. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's awesome to be out, that's for sure. But uh, no, I've just been doing my same thing, just practice every day, gymming it every day, and uh, just going about life normally, really. <laughs> It was a great trip that you had. I mean, I'm not sure how you you managed that. I know that you you were actually born in England, weren't you? So uh, you had your grandparents over there. So how did you actually manage to make that all all happen? Uh, getting getting to go overseas. Yeah, well, I um we actually done our uh, visa quite a while ago just to see if we would get in really. Um, and we got the uh, the go to. So we um yeah, mum just mum and dad just said yeah, there's a few events to play in over there. So um. Why not? You know, why not go for it? So um, we did, and because uh, I was born in Essex over there anyway, so we've still got a house back there, so it's a base for us. Um, so worked out perfect, really. Um, just done it. We I think we ended up doing about five thousand miles in the car, so it was a lot of driving, but um, you got to do it. So yeah, nice, and obviously some uh, like Blakey said, uh, Kirsten, some fantastic results for you while you're away. Um, do you want to sort of run us through your trip a little? Uh, give us maybe a couple of your highlights and, um, yeah, how the trip was as a whole. Yeah, well, obviously, like, I was there a week, I think, and then we drove up to Scotland um, and I played at Troon, which was just an awesome golf course and just being around that environment back into the competitive golf again was, um, I don't know, it felt a bit strange, to be honest, but um, it was awesome, and especially to get the win. Um, it just kind of just kicked off the whole the whole trip for me. I just thought, oh, just go for it, really. Sorry, Kirsten, which event was that one, your first one? Hell on Home, the Scottish. Oh, uh, yep, just for our listeners, just to, so they know. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so it it was an awesome, awesome first tournament. Um, played against some real good players, which is also good for me to actually give myself the chance to play my best golf, which I did. So, um, yeah. And uh, obviously, a couple of weeks later, playing in the British um, was the English, sorry, English amateur, which was uh, a long week, but um, again, got another win, which was awesome. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I guess, you know, going over there, it's kind of something that you just have to do. You haven't had so much, you know, you haven't had much competition. And it's like, if you didn't do that trip, you know, you potentially could have another six months without competition. So just to put yourself out there and, you know, get over there and get competing, but have those results, um, you know, it's fantastic. But obviously, uh, you know, a huge highlight of the trip must have been qualifying for the Women's Open, yeah? Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, when I was at Pamu for the qualifier, I was just, me and mum were just hanging around for a couple of hours. Oh, I made it, all that sort of stuff, all the nerves sort of kick in. Um, but getting the uh, yes to, yes, you have qualified was, I don't know, I don't know how to say it really. It was just unbelievable to be able to uh, play in a major um, okay. as an amateur especially. Um, so, I don't know, when I rocked up there, I felt like I shouldn't be there. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just things you've got to learn. And luckily I've done it now. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, hey, Kirsten, that's totally normal what you what you feel there, that, you know, you feel like you don't belong just because you're a qualifier or an amateur or something. But, you know, the next time I'm sure you'll be all the better for it. And, um, yeah, how, I guess how did you handle that week and, you know, unfortunately, you didn't have the scores that you thought that you could, and you know, maybe yeah, especially on that first day. Um, yeah. But I guess um, how did you how did you bounce back from that rough first day, or um, yeah, I guess maybe talk us through that a little bit. Um, to be honest, I actually personally don't think I prepared properly. I'm going to be honest there, like on the golf course side of it, um, I didn't play enough rounds out on the golf course, um, which is your main priority really, especially there. Um, it's a bit of a brutal golf course. So, so Ernie Carnoustie. Yeah, that's it. The more the more you look at it, the better. You're not going to, uh, you know, you, you've got to just keep your brain active the whole time. It's just, there's so much danger out there. So, um, yeah, no, it was just an awesome experience. I mean, like I bounced back. I played really well that second day. Um, and just, I don't know, a few more parts rolled in, stroke, struck the ball a bit better. Um, so that's just the way it is. But um, I was just obviously over the moon. I was there and actually just seeing how everything goes while you're there. It's just, yeah, it's a different life. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, it'll be just a huge learning curve for you, Kirsten, and you'll only be better in that uh, situation next time. Um, and so I guess, Kirsten, where where to next? What have you got now? Um, what's the schedule kind of look like? What's your plans? Uh, I know you guys have have obviously selected me for the Asia Pacific team. Um, but there's just I don't know, there's so many things that going the wrong way against getting back. Um, like especially WA. Um, it's just so difficult to come back home. Um, and I don't want really want to get stuck somewhere if you get what I'm, um Yeah. So I'm just I don't know, we're just going through that at the moment. But I'm still I'm just still practicing like I'm playing in the event. So um if that doesn't happen, obviously, hopefully Aussie Open or that sort of Vic Open or that sort of stuff. I don't know about all that sort of stuff, but hopefully it gets going. Um, but we've got our WA Open and a few few other little things I can play in. So it's not like I'm going to go complete stale. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Everyone's in the same boat at the moment. So um, Yeah, it's, it's tough. And with the Asia-Pacific, you know, huge events, and I know that you'd be doing everything possible uh to get there and get home. And I know that uh, Golf Australia and Cam Vincent is uh, doing everything possible to try and get uh, get you guys home. But uh, I guess keep our fingers crossed in that space, hey? Yeah, that's it. Just like I said before, just got to prepare like you're going to go. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Um, you guys have tried your best. Um, so just want to be safe at the end of the day. 
Kirsten, I just wanted to ask you about your relationship with Hannah Green, who comes out of the same... I mentioned before that you come out of the same club, and I think Hannah gave you a bit of a hand when you turned up at Canoosti and maybe played a practice round with you, which is something at, at you know the Golf Australia people are very keen for our top-level pros to you know do a bit of mentoring with people like you. Um, I presume that did happen at Canoosti, and um, you know also you, just your friendship with Hannah, who uh, who we know has been great at, at helping the younger players come through in WA. Yeah, well, I've known Hannah for quite a while now, obviously because we're at the same club. Um, and I don't know, we just we get on really well. And she, if I ask, she's always there to answer a question that I'm asking her. And um, I don't know, she's probably the right person for me to look up to. So um, obviously being a major winner, she knows how it works now. Um, I'm probably going to go along the same route as uh, Q School, that sort of stuff. So it's good to get an idea of how she done it and the steps she took. And, um, yeah, at the Open, she was amazing. I sent her a message when I qualified at. She said, do you mind if I just tag along with you? <laughs> so I don't know how things go about. And, um, yeah, she obviously replied back saying, yep, just let me know when you're here and what you need and uh, I'll be there. So it was uh, awesome to have a friendly face there, that's for sure. Yeah, great. That's uh, fantastic to see from Hannah. And I know a lot of the other Aussies uh, would do would do similar in the situation. And Kirsten, you just mentioned there about about Q School. Um, and obviously, I know turning pro is in your, um, I guess, in the back of your mind at some point. Do you have sort of a time frame? Anything you're thinking at the moment? Um, no, I actually don't, to be honest. Time frame because, like I said, like it's pretty difficult with all the travel side of it now. Um, obviously, when I get out into the US, because I've never been over there, so <laughs> I want to get out there first um, and just experience American golf. Um, because obviously I've I've gone the Europe route every time, um, and I know it's a bit different. So yeah, I I don't know. I looked at looked at the Cactus Tour, all that sort of stuff. Um, the NWGA tours. You're have to give me a bit of a heads up on this sort of stuff, Stace. But um, definitely we will. We'll put a plan in place. Yeah, no, I haven't actually got a time set. Um, especially if, like I probably would have a time set if it was normal times. Um, but it's it's a bit difficult at the moment with the travel side of it because you don't know if you're going to get on a plane, you don't know if you're going to get to all different places. So, um, yeah, that's something we've got to talk about. And um, I guess I'm not in a rush at the moment. Um, I've still got a few things I want to um, get done uh, golf-wise with Bish. Um, so, yeah, I want to be ready and not uh, half ready, if you get what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. Kirsten, can you give us a bit of your your golf journey? I'm I'm not sure how old you were when you moved to Australia with your family. Um, yeah. But were you were your parents golfers? How did you sort of get into it? Was it originally yeah, so, at Mount Lawley or, or somewhere else? Yeah, I moved from London obviously when I was four. Um, so I can't remember much of it at all back home. But um, Dad plays golf. My brother plays golf. But um, he stopped now. Judy got in the way as it usually does. Um, but dad's always been a keen golfer. So he taught me pretty much from when I was younger. Um, and he got to a point where he can't teach me anymore. So, um, I went ahead and went to, um, Duncan, which was like a junior coach. And then I've moved to Bish uh, about five, six years ago. So, um, it's been awesome going to Bish. He, uh, he knows what he's talking about and, uh, I get on really well with him. So, um, yeah. That's Craig but, Bishop, of course, one of the top yeah, coaches yeah, in WA. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I've always been around the golf background. 
um, as such. I used to play soccer when I was younger and had to choose between golf and soccer. Obviously, I went with the golf the golf route. So, um, yeah, no, I've enjoyed every minute of it, to be honest. Um, I've got to tell you, Kirsten, the first time I came across you personally was, um, I'm pretty sure it was a Vic Amateur at Huntingdale a few years ago, and you had your brother, I'm not sure what his name is, but he was uh, wheeling the clubs for you, and... Uh, Halfway around the round, I went and watched someone else play, and then I came back to your group, and he wasn't there anymore. And I said to your mum, Donna, afterwards, what happened there? And uh, she said, well, they uh, they parted ways. So I, I would think it's <laughs> probably a pretty hard thing to do, Stace, to actually have your brother caddying yeah, for you. But, I think uh, it's the brother and sister thing. <laughs> we just didn't said, work. He said, something, he, did, he said something to me that I didn't like, and that was it. <laughs> And that was the last time he's been there. <laughs> I think Donna, Donna, your mum caddied for you in in the UK. Is that right? How does that work? Yeah. Is that working okay? It's perfect because she doesn't know anything. So, um, <laughs> just carries the bag. Uh, keep it that way, Donna. Yeah, yeah, that's it. She just uh, feeds me food, and that's it. So it's uh, perfect. Um, I'm not one of them that likes all this information in my ear. So, um, yeah, no, it was a. Really good to have mum there with the winds and, um, yeah, that was a good trip. Last thing for me, uh, what would you describe as the strength of your game? Where where do you uh, you think you're, you're getting it done and is that changing over, over time at all? Um, since being with Bish, um, green and regs has changed heaps. It's gone up massive, um, which is always important. Just give yourself the putt. Um, and I've, I've always been, I think, a pretty good short game player. Um, that's down to dad, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd probably say short game. Um, if I've got a chance, I'll uh, definitely make up and down. So, um, yeah. Uh, just one more thing. Um, you obviously played in the Women's British Open, or as it's known, the AEG Women's Open. You've played quite a bit with pros, and you you mentioned your friendship with Hannah. When you play alongside uh, that caliber of player, do you you know are you starting to feel more comfortable that you you actually belong at that that level? Yeah, for sure. Like I play with um, obviously Scott Strange. He's back in Japan at the moment, but I play with quite a bit of golf with him and um, Rummy as well. Um, play with him every Thursday, so it's kind of a bit of Brett Rumford. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, so it's does he a bit teach of you any of his bunker magician work? Ah, oh, to be honest, no. We just do like little uh, competitions and stuff, play for a coffee, that sort of thing. Um, but um, no, actually, we play every week. So if I do, if I ask him a question, how do I play this sort of style shot? He'll, as he does, he'll just fire away. So um, it's always it's good to have him there as well. Um, so obviously, because he's got a extremely good uh, chipping and short game side of golf. So um, yeah, it's it's good to have him there. And what are you up to for the rest of the day today? You got no restrictions over there in WA. You might be out on the range, will you? Yeah, I probably I went to gym this morning, so I'll probably go hit a few balls later. Um, I don't know really. Um, I've got a uh, set up in the house, so I might just do a bit of hitting in here. Um, go out and play a few holes later. So, mm. yeah, just play with it by ear. <laughs> well, it's been too long. We've taken too long to get you on Inside the Ropes, but I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from you in the future. Kirsten Rudgley, thanks for joining us on Inside the Ropes. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Kirsten. We'll be back in a moment to wrap up Inside the Ropes. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. We're just 
wrap up for the day, Stace. Um, I just wanted to ask you what what you would feel if the Australian Open uh, was called, if we called it the Men's Australian Open rather than just calling it the Australian Open. The reason being is because we had this discussion at Golf Australia during the week about the language of it, and uh, there was a particular uh, woman in South Australia who'd emailed uh, Golf Australia saying, why do you always refer to it as the Australian Open? And then there's the Women's Australian Open. It kind of, there's a feeling that it, it you know, it sort of downgrades the, the women's event. Do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I kind of think it's a no-brainer. It's the Men's Australian Open and the Women's Australian Open. Because, yeah. you know, if you talk about the Australian Open, it's like, well, which one are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, that, that's my first thought. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm all for that, Blakey. So I I put this up on our uh, kind of workplace area at work during the week, and and it was amazing. It got quite a bit of. I, I said, why don't we talk about this? And most people agreed with me that it probably needs to happen. Um, so it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how quickly that they they move on that. But I did make the point that cricket has been through this because they have a national women's team and they have a national men's team. And previously they used to kind of refer to them as, you know, the Australian teams playing today in the Ashes or whatever. Now if you listen to all their communications, they say the men's Australian team. And the competitions like the AFL and the NRL are going to go through the same thing at some point because yeah. there, there's AFL, for instance, and AFLW. Um but yeah. you know, so does that mean that the AFL's more more important or whatever? You know, I, I, yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one, and a lot of people reject this kind of thinking. But uh, it is something we have to talk about. So I think in future it's probably going to be we'll probably should call it the Men's Australian Open. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think cricket's been a big leader in this space. You know, they have uh, the men's Ashes and the women's Ashes. You know, the yeah. You know, if we're talking tradition, can you get much more tradition than have than the Ashes? But no, they've been able to make that or turn that to the men's Ashes and the women's Ashes. Um, so I think it's a no-brainer in our space, Blakey. Speaking of footy, we've got the NRL uh, grand final this week. Uh, do you follow that at all, Stace? Probably not. Uh, not not heaps. I mean, right. yeah, I, I show an interest. Rabbitohs and the Panthers. And uh, I was disappointed to see the Storm go out last week. Did yeah, you watch probably- the AFL grand final? Yeah, definitely, definitely. What a uh, what a crazy uh, game that was! It was a game, it was an amazing game for three quarters, and then it kind of wasn't a game. It Clates, was, of course, yeah, super yeah. happy for the D's. Clates, of course, is a Melbourne supporter, which I forgot to mention to him. We don't don't need any more talking about <laughs> Melbourne, but yeah, I think everyone was happy for for the D's after fifty seven years uh, to to win that. Just a couple other bits and pieces, Stace. The South Australian Amateur is on this week. In fact, it's started yesterday as we recording on a Tuesday. I think it finishes on Friday at uh, Mount Osmond, just outside or on the outskirts of Adelaide. Beautiful views there. I don't know whether you've ever been there. No, I haven't, but I'm uh, yeah keen to, keen to follow along the scores this week. They've pulled together the best field they can. There's a few restrictions relating to borders and that kind of thing, but they've, they've got a decent field and uh, we'll see who comes through there. And the Gary Player Classic was played at Pacific Golf Club last weekend at in Brisbane, and the three winners there were Quinton Croker, Kai Komulainen, and Joshua Reed. So, well done to them. Uh, Stace, any more on offer? That might be uh, the end of the story, is it? Yeah, I think that's uh, all we've got. Uh, good, great show, Blakey, and uh, thanks very much for having me on again.
Well, thanks for contributing. Always great to see you. And thanks again to all our listeners for tuning into this podcast. Make sure you subscribe through the usual channels and we'll be back this time next week on Inside the Ropes.